This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. <laughs> well, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry about that. Hold on. I got it. I got it. I got it. <clears throat> Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Monday, and Justin has choked up because he was taking a hit. Right as his intro was playing, my apologies. So unprofessional of me, but I'm not high enough for this shit. My apologies for not being here last night. I felt like I had been hit by a truck. Allow me to tell you the reason. See, if you joined us for the Freak Show on Friday night, you would know that uh, Sparkles and I had Taco Bell for dinner. Then I went to Sparkle's house, and she made a coffee for me, and then she was making cookies. I ate cookie dough and left. I did not stay for the cookies. Now, she made a big deal about this, that I did not stay for the cookies. However, 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 I told her specifically I could shit at any minute, and I feel like I need to be back home. She left that part out when she was ragging on me online about why I didn't stay for cookies. So I got my cookie dough. I went back home. It's like 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning. The next day I had company. The next day I had company. So uh, Curiouser came, was here over the weekend. Curiouser, Sparkles, and I went to dinner on Saturday night. We went to a, an awesome barbecue place. Justin ate way too much food. He ate macaroni and cheese, the best baked beans he's ever had in his life. He had a smoked turkey sandwich. It was all amazing. Then Sparkles brought over edibles. We had a bunch of cookies. Curiouser brought uh, donuts because on Friday night I had, I had bitched and bitched and bitched about how much I wanted donuts. So Justin just ate a lot of food on Friday and Saturday. And Justin on Sunday did not feel good. Did not feel good on Sunday, spent most of the day in bed. So my apologies for not being here last night, but I'm back tonight. Glad to see you guys, RB, Ginger, welcome. Love you all. Welcome to the Troll Patrol Live. It is a freaking Monday. Do you want to point out to everybody, You uh, here's your meme for the day. Oh, it's not a meme. It's not a meme. Warlord! is the promo for the Troll Patrol 420 and two-year anniversary spectacular coming up a week from Wednesday. Yes, Warlord, we got a lot of news to get to. We're going to talk about France's elections. We're going to talk about the Pakistani government. The Pakistani government as you knew it just like a week ago? No more if you knew anything about the Pakistani government a week ago. Human rights agencies are warning about a severe drought in Somalia. The Austrian chancellor met with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Apparently, uh, he is very pessimistic following that meeting with Vladimir Putin. Wait, whoa, Africa bores you? Um... Africa didn't bore the British Empire all through the 1700s, sir. What? It, it's it's not your plaything anymore. You're 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 bored with it. 
talking about my promo looking cursed. Looking cursed. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm holding a bong. Um, I've got a giant smoke cloud coming out of my mouth. It's the 420 two-year anniversary spectacular. One week from Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern on April the 20th. We're not going to do any news that day. Unless last year, last year there was a verdict read in the Derek Chauvin trial. That's what we got right as we were coming on the air on the stream. We'll relive that moment. It's going to be a clip show. A week from Wednesday, the 422 year anniversary spectacular, you will relive that moment when Derek Chauvin was found guilty. Plus so many other classic moments in the history of the Troll Patrol. You're going to hear me uh, interview Poop Boy, Old Gord, Kyle Rittenhouse. We've got all kinds of bits we're going to play. I look like I have a thousand yard stare. Oh, oh, in the in the promo. My my apologies. Uh, that picture is actually from me doing a stand up set. You can actually you can see the cord coming down. Like I had a microphone in my hand, not a bong. See the cord coming down. So I'm probably looking out into an audience that I can't really see because of the lights. If I remember the venue I was in, it was like I could never really see the audience. The The stage was elevated and and there was a, a, a lighting trussle in front of me that was just blinding me at all times. So that that's what I'm assuming. If I remember if I remember correctly about the venue where this picture was taken, and I think I do. So I'm sorry for my blank stare out into an audience of nobodies. Old man Jake. Jake, my friend, I have no clue what you're talking about. Oh, 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 oh. Was this the whole thing about um, Amir Locke? Yes, it's constitutional. Yes, that's what we were saying. It was it was obvious, obvious. His constitutional rights were violated. Don't tell me about eating raw cookie dough, RB. I'm going to do it. I don't give a shit what the dangers are. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I do not care what you guys say. I'm going to eat the raw cookie dough. It's a thing. Okay, well, here's here's the thing, Jake, is can you... Can you, like, examine the evidence before you have an opinion on something? That's all I ask of people. That's all I ask of the right-wingers. They love having opinions on things they're not actually educated on. You want me to eat cookie dough now? I don't have any cookie dough. And I ate all... Sparkles brought me more of the cookies. I have eaten them all. I have eaten them all. It could be another reason why I was in no position to do a troll patrol last night. I ate all those fucking cookies. (coughs) I I didn't even hit the bowl that time. 
Jake, you're totally right wing. I know all the right wingers always say they're not right wing. Totally right wing. Here's your meme of the day Elon Musk, the little kitten, gobbling up some taxpayer money. Which is fitting given the story that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, SpaceX promoted that they donated, donated these satellite link hookups to Ukraine to use in the war. No, 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 no. Turns out that's not true. Who would have guessed that Elon Musk was lying? The U.S. government paid, paid, paid Elon for those satellite links. Lion sack of shit. Also, the newest developments, it appears that Elon will not be on the bu- uh, the board of Twitter He seemed to have a problem with the whole fiduciary responsibility. See, a board member of a company has to act in the best interest of their shareholders legally. Legally required to act in the best interest of their shareholders. Do you know what would not be in the best interest of their shareholders? Elon Musk talking shit about Twitter on Twitter. Well, thank you. I appreciate you admitting that I was correct. I knew that at the time. And I appreciate you saying, have a great stream. It would be it would be great if you stuck around and, uh, and joined us for the stream. I, I try to be an informative news show while also, you know, getting high and making fun of dumb fucks. Apparently there was some dude on Fox News over the weekend calling teachers pedophiles. I was shocked by that. Lauren Boebert went on Fox News. Claimed that she is tired of being called a conspiracy theorist. A former cop who stormed the Capitol. And found guilty. We have new texts. From Don Jr. that apparently exposed the extent to which the Trumps were plotting to overturn the election. Jared Kushner got quite a large sum of money from uh, Saudi Arabia. We're going to talk about that. Joe Biden made an announcement on ghost guns and an appointment to the ATF earlier today. We're going to talk. About the meeting with Marindra Modi, the president of India, who was on a conference call with Biden earlier today. Plus, we're going to delve into Russia's next push uh, that apparently they're preparing for right now as we're getting word that around 10,000 people were killed in the siege on Maripol. Good Lord. Let's start off tonight talking about the incredibly close election in France. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Producer Dave, why are you so dumb? (laughs) 
Oh, this dude. I invited him to call in. Which, speaking of which, I haven't had the phone lines open. Let's let's open those up. Just in case anybody w- does want to call and argue with me. This dude. He he has been saying this, the dumbest shit to me for days now. I invite him to come on. He has so much. He's been trying to own me on Twitter for days. I was like, I'm on in 30 minutes, please. Come on, it seems like you have a lot to say. But he appreciates the offer to embarrass me in front of my stream. Maybe sometime in the future he'll get around to it. But he wishes me well. Wanted to argue with me about uh, gender studies. Like, the original thing I, I said was like, uh, I, I don't know what the post was. I want to say it was like the libs of TikTok. And somebody that was talking was a PhD and they were saying something about, you know, something innocuous that right-wingers said was grooming of children. This motherfucker's like a PhD in what? Gender studies? And I'm like, hmm, might be the exact type of person to consult on issues of gender. Did you think you were owning them? And so that's that's what this this idiot has been arguing with me about. He took issue... With me saying that people with gender study degrees were experts on, in the field. His next comment, like, I brush it off. I was like, well, okay, if you don't care, if you, like, if you don't think people with gender studies degrees are relevant experts in the field, we can consult biologists or geneticists. And the motherfucker has spent two days, when I'm on, clearly I'm not on at all times, but it's been two days trying to argue with me that people that have degrees in gender studies aren't experts. And their supporting evidence for this is because gender studies is just rebranded feminism degree or some shit. Feminist philosophy degree. Women's studies. Just rebranded women's studies. And I'm like, fucking so? I don't care. Link to the merch store. Fuck yeah. Let's see if that was correct. There we go. Awesome, Jake. I'm just like... If you if you do not put faith in what somebody with a gender study degree says... Who, who, we're not actually debating the merits of a gender studies degree here. That's what was fucking funny. This dude made a joke trying to own gender studies degrees. And I made a joke about him. This dude got his panties in a wad about two jokes. Also, they are obsessed with the concept of gender studies. It it boggles my mind. If you were to listen to right-wingers, everyone who has ever attended college has a gender studies degree or some shit. You hear Ben Shapiro say that shit a lot. Okay, you don't consider it valid because that's one of the things he kept saying. Well, it's not a hard science. I'm like, I never said it was a hard science. Repression is a hell of a drug. That is correct. All right, let's get to the actual news. But just know, homie, if you're out there, Mr. Uh, 
your friend from 1914 who lived right, all commie, socialist, and Nazis get bent. Profile picture is the last German emperor, not a Nazi. Not every German in a uniform was a Nazi, you idiot. So clearly, 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 just from their description, they're fun at parties, right? Come on, you want to get high with this dude, your friend from 1914. Getting pedantic with me on something stupid. Alright, what to watch as uh, Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen compete for the French presidency. There was an election over the weekend. I believe there were 12 candidates overall. It is now down to the top two. French President Emmanuel Macron and far-right leader Marine Le Pen are headed into a runoff for the French presidency on April 24th after topping Sunday's first round with 27.8% and 23.2% respectively. Respectively, I said it funny. Both candidates hit the campaign trail on Monday with Macron visiting towns in the north that voted heavily for Le Pen. He was criticized for neglecting campaigning prior to the first round, focusing instead on Ukraine, while Le Pen toured the country, criticized the high cost of living, and climbed in the polls. Macron fared slightly better than expected given Le Pen's late surge in the polls, beating her by slightly more than in 2017. Macron won 66% to 34% in the 2017 runoff, but polls show a much closer race this time around, with Macron leading 53% to 47%, according to a Reuters aggregate, and Le Pen holding the momentum. Sunday's results were a brutal blow for France's traditional leading parties, the center-right Republicans and the center-left Socialists, which combined for a mere 6.5% of the votes. Candidates who receive less than 5% of the vote aren't eligible for campaign reimbursements. And Valerie uh, Perscress, Perscress, who at one point polled neck and neck with Macron after winning the Republicans' nomination, told reporters Monday that she personally is indebted 5 million euros after receiving just 4.8%. Ouch! Ouch! his concession speech, he advised his supporters not to vote for Le Pen in the second round, but pointedly made no mention of Macron. Extreme right candidate Eric Zimmer called on his supporters to back Le Pen, while Procresi, the Greens candidate Yannick Jadot, and socialist candidate Anne Hidalgo endorsed Macron. So about a month until we get the final results. Meanwhile, the Pakistani government, as you knew it, if you even knew it, is no more. Pakistan's parliament has elected Shabazz Sharif as the country's new prime minister. The election came after PM Imran Khan was removed from office after losing a no-confidence vote. Ahead of Monday's vote, lawmakers from Khan's Pakistan Tariq Isef, Insef party resigned en masse, boycotting the election of sheriff. So the PM vows reconciliation after reviving the economy, sheriff said his government would focus on reconciliation in a society uh, 
polarized by former leader Imran Khan's policies and reviving a troubled economy. The economic challenges are huge, and we need to make a way out of these troubles. We will have to shed sweat and blood to revive the economy, he said. Apparently, he also mentions good relations with India. They have had tense relations for many years. The Prime Minister spoke of improving relations with India, but said a durable peace can't be possible without Kashmir's solution. India and Pakistan have fought three wars over the disputed Himalayan region. Apparently, Sheriff also wants to speed up China-funded projects. The projects are being carried out under a $60 billion China-Pakistan economic corridor. As part of the Belt and Road Initiative. Fago, isn't that the uh, ICP drink? It's kind of like an off-brand, like... um, like Fanta, isn't it? Well, thank you, my friend. Wish your friend a good stream. Yes, no. It's off-brand Fanta. Come on. I didn't mean. I didn't mean that as a slight against it. I'm sure Fago is a uh, fabulous drink. I'm not going to uh, knock you for your choices. You're right, you're right. Yeah, the Fanta, it, it has that history going back to the Nazis. You are correct. Remember, guys, later on in the show, We're going to talk about Elon Musk. Remember, remember when Elon Musk said if he was given a proposal that shows how he could end world hunger, he would do it. And the UN actually provided a proposal and showed him how he could end world hunger, at least for the year. And he never fucking did it. Instead, instead, he's pulling a pump and dump scheme with Twitter where you already illegally made like $100 million of a pumping up the stock, buying it at a lower price before he announced that he was becoming the majority shareholder. But remember, he made this promise that he would give the money to end world hunger If provided with a plan, he was provided with that plan, he did not do it. He's just bitching about, you know, my freedoms over on Twitter. But here we can see the Somalia drought. Act now or 350,000 children will die. Will die. Somalia faces what experts call its worst drought in a decade. Children are bearing the brunt. Parents are struggling to feed them, with nearly half of the country's under-5 population likely to suffer from acute malnutrition by June. Nimco Addi gently places her six-month-old baby uh, girl onto a plastic basin supported with sisal ropes. The weighing scale from which the basin hangs reads 0.6 stone, that is 4 kilogram. That's almost less than half of what the child's ideal weight should be. 
She is too tiny for her age. Nimco just arrived at a malnutrition stabilization center in Lug, Luk, 310 miles from Mogadishu. In the southwestern uh, portion of Somalia, she is given a bed inside the facility, which she will have to share with another mother. Her story is one among many mothers who are facing the potential death, death of their children by by malnutrition. Already in this country, 70% of school-aged children are not attending school. In just one state in Jubdaland, the drought has led to the closure of 40 schools. That is going to be a trend in many drought-affected areas. According to Adam Abdumullah, the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs. Heartbreaking. I don't even like kids, but the idea of them dying in mass is heartbreaking to me. Where are you at, Elon? We'll get to Elon later, don't worry. So this is the Austrian Chancellor who had a meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin uh, earlier today or last night, I guess, depending on the time delineation here. Here's what he had to say. Mitbringen kann von diesem Gespräch mit Präsident Putin. Die Offensive wird offensichtlich massiv vorbereitet. The offensive is apparently massively prepared, and therefore also a clear commitment that a stable access of the International Red Cross is needed. It was not a friendly visit, to be clear, confrontation with the facts resulting from the Ukraine war. I'm sorry, I'm butchering what he's saying. The fact that the Russian side is ready to keep the corridors, but the Ukrainian side is not, this argument was not acceptable for me. I'm sorry, I wish I had just gotten a, a, a article and read about it, because that really uh, it really did us no good. Let's, let's get a CBS piece on this. We begin in Moscow, where Austria's Chancellor Karl Niehammer met earlier today with Russian President Vladimir Putin. In a not high enough for this shit. called the meeting, quote, not a friendly visit. He addressed the alleged Russian war crimes in Bucha and other places. Niehammer visited Kiev and Bucha on Saturday, witnessing some of the devastation himself. The leaders spoke for just over an hour, and a spokesperson for the chancellor described the talks as, quote, very direct, open, and tough. This is the first visit by a European Union leader since Russia invaded Ukraine more than six weeks ago. The trip comes as Ukraine prepares for a major battle in its eastern region. That's I'm not high enough for this shit I'm not. Putin named a new leader for this attack. General Alexander Dvornikov is now in charge after Russian forces failed to capture Ukraine's capital city, Kyiv. This general is notorious for his conduct in Syria, where he bombed civilian districts. President Zelensky says Ukraine is preparing for Russia's assault in the east, and he defended, defined what winning the war would look like to my colleague Scott Pelley Sunday on CBS's 60 Minutes. Victory. 
First of all, our people would definitely feel victory. I'm assuming that victory is going to look like them at least giving up some territory uh, in the Donbass region. Russia is going to have to say it won something in order to get them to back off. But like, even is that is that going to satiate them? They will come back. The return of refugees is blood for the body of Ukraine. Without them, there's nothing. The bombardments would end. We would recover our territory. There would I, like I want, I want I want to I want to make this perfectly clear now because there are no good takes on this situation because there are no good options in this situation. Everyone's take on this is shit. And that's my take and I'm sticking to it. Country. Yes, I understand they will not withdraw from Crimea and will be arguing and negotiating for one territory or another in the south of our country, the Donbass. I know exactly what has to happen, after which we can say this is victory, but if you don't mind, I'm not going to talk about it just yet. Joining me now wow. from Ukraine is CBS News foreign correspondent Holly Williams. Hi, Holly. Great to see. I I don't I don't know what the end like. Point by foreign leaders to Ukraine. Alexei Navalny was fantastic. Would make a a great president of Russia, but that's up to the Russian people. All of these meetings, and are they expected to move the needle at all? Well, Tanya, the visit of the Austrian Chancellor Karl Nehammer to Moscow is actually quite controversial. As you said, the first EU leader to meet with Putin in Moscow uh, since the invasion began. Although, remember, Emmanuel Macron of France visited him before the invasion to try and dissuade him. Austria is an officially neutral country. It is not a member of NATO. We understand that that meeting is already wrapped up in Moscow. Let's see. Uh, that picture of Putin just like fucking devilish. Went to visit Moscow. He came here to Ukraine. He went to the, the capital Kiev to see Ukraine's president Vladimir Zelensky, and he's he is one now of a long line of. Uh, it looks like amnestic. It looks like peace talks have completely fallen apart. That there's going to be yet another siege. Recently, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, and on Saturday, uh, the British uh, Prime Minister uh, Boris Je- Boris Yeltsin. It's ob- I'm so sorry, not Boris Yeltsin, Boris Johnson. Um, it's obviously highly symbolic what they do. Boris Yeltsin, he's dead, isn't he? ...of support for Ukraine. Uh, the Ukrainians are enormously grateful to support uh, from the West, uh, from, from Europe and the US. But remember, running alongside that is also a growing sense of frustration because the Ukrainians, not just President Zelensky, but all the way down to ordinary... God, April 23rd, 2007 from the EU and from the US they want <laughs> Yeltsin is a mega dead I was pretty I was pretty certain on that I found fascinating was the video of Boris Johnson mm. and President Zelensky walking you know, through the center of She the brought him up I didn't I mean they had a security detail with them but they were walking around chatting with with ordinary people and that tells you something about how much the security situation in Kiev has improved because remember as far as we know Zelensky has spent most of the last few weeks in a bunker. That was astonishing video, and it does uh, send a very strong message seeing those two leaders walking through the streets of Kiev. I agree, Holly. So, uh, you know, as you know, Ukraine is preparing now for this major battle in the east. What are you hearing from Ukrainian soldiers as well as civilians? How is morale? Well, look... (laughs) There's an enormous amount of pain and grief in this in this country as Russian forces uh, have with. I that's a fucking understatement, ma'am. 
Let's get some let's get some numbers on it. Maripol mayor says more than 10,000 killed in Russian siege. The Maripol mayor Vadim Bochinko told AP during an interview on Monday that at least 10,000 civilians died during Russia's siege of the port city that started in early March and warned that the death toll could pass 20,000. The city, once home to almost 500,000 people, has been utterly devastated after weeks of Russian military bombardment, and Ukrainian officials fear there are still thousands of civilians trapped in the city without food, water, and medicine. Boychenko told AP that corpses were carpeted through the streets of Maripol and accused Russian forces of intentionally refusing to allow humanitarian convoys into the city in an attempt to conceal the carnage. As I said right now, it looks like peace talks have fallen apart and that they are preparing for the next wave of the Russian offensive. Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky asked South Korea lawmakers on Monday for arms and equipment to help it fight Russia, which he said was amassing tens of thousands of troops for a new offensive in eastern Ukraine, according to the Washington Post. Russia's invasion stymied in Ukraine's north. It has turned its attention to Ukraine's Donbass region, as indicated by newly released satellite images showing an eight-mile-long Russian convoy. Let's... Got the new convoy we're seeing. Here's your here's your images. Gonna have a convoy. Clear when exactly Russia will let loose this next offensive. The Kremlin may be planning for a victory in the region by May 9th is the country's annual Victory Day celebration of the Soviet Union's World War II victory over the Nazis. We'll we'll just say May 9th. It's a good day to shoot for, I guess. Gensaki! Asked about a call between Joe Biden and Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Described it as uh, constructive. Constructive. Okay. Did the president urge Modi to speak out more forcefully against the Russian invasion? Well, we have seen uh, the Indians do exactly that more recently, as they did as it relates to the uh, horrific photos that we saw around Busha. We've seen them take steps to provide humanitarian assistance and a range of assistance, but it is something we always encourage leaders to do, uh, to speak out, to be vocal, uh, to uh, ensure... I mean, India's got its own problems. It's it's majority uh, Hindi population likes to oppress its minority Muslim population. They on the right side of history, but this was a constructive call. It was a productive call. Um, it was it's a, a relationship that is vitally important to the United States and to the president. I would not see it as an adversarial call. And then I understand you want to let the Indians speak for themselves, but was the president seeking a promise from Modi that he wouldn't look to increase oil purchases from Russia? 
Well, we are, uh, the president both conveyed that we are here to help them. Modi himself is not a savory of, individual, uh, unlike oil. Indian Again, food, which is quite savory. The imports from the United States are already significant, uh, for, or much bigger than the imports that they get from Russia. Uh, and we we'll love Indian food. Conveyed very clearly that it is not in their interest to increase that. But beyond that, I would let the uh, Indian leaders speak for themselves. And uh, he will speak. He, he's very uh, Trumpian. Yeah, Modi is not a good guy. And he was very much up Trump's ass, but, like, how much of that was, you know, um, opportunistic. This is the guy. Here is Joe Biden earlier today where he announced a new nominee for to head up the... Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. By the way, by the way, you will see a lot of right-wingers be like, we need to abolish the ATF. And I'm like, I'm totally for it. Let's abolish the ATF. And then I'll list the other agencies I want to abolish as well. They never, they never go along with that. I don't understand why they are so against one law enforcement agency, but they won't follow me and want to abolish the rest of them. It's really weird. But I'll get down with them on abolishing the ATF. Oh, I got like... I'm cool with that. This is Biden nominating... Dude to lead the ATF. He's also uh, talking about ghost guns. This is the gun. It's not hard to put together. A little drill, hand drill at home. Doesn't take very long. Anyone can order it the mail. Anyone. Folks, a felon, a terrorist, a domestic abuser can go from a gun kit to a gun as little as 30 minutes. Buyers aren't required to pass. I, okay. Here's my thing. I am less worried, less worried about ghost guns than I am the commercial sale and manufacture of firearms. That's my issue. If you guys have been following this show, I'm totally, I'm down with the second amendment. We don't need to limit a, a personal right to arm yourself. Not at all. We need to limit gun manufacturing. Remington, rim, blah, blah, I fucked up their name. Remington, Remington, and Colt, and all the fucking gun manufacturers and their lobby at the NRA, they don't need to exist. I am against the commercial sale and manufacture of guns. Glock, Beretta, fuck them all, fuck them all. Want to own a gun? I'm okay with it. You want to sell guns? I'm not okay with it. And I believe you can outlaw the commercial sale and manufacture of guns without having to alter the Constitution. Does not impede a person's right to own a firearm now, does it? But we can eliminate the manufacture, marketing, and sale of firearms. That's my proposal. Because guns have no serial numbers, these guns. When they show up at a crime scene, 
They can't be traced. Law enforcement is sounding the alarm. Our community well, good. The guns aren't not are knocking. Today, the United States Department of Justice ain't knocking. For a business to manufacture one of these. I'm not high enough for this shit. I was really busy all day. Illegal. The answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police and give them the tools and training Bullshit. to support they need to be better partners and protectors of our Malarkey, son. And I've already made clear that I want cities, states, counties, and tribes to use some of the $350 billion we sent to them in the American Rescue Plan that I wrote in the first month to reduce gun violence, hire police officers for community police. Wait, that was COVID money. police overtime. Purchase that was, crime that was COVID money. They were given the money, they can do it. But that was that was COVID money. Hi everyone. Sir, you you shouldn't want them to spend their COVID money on guns. No, no, no. We've we've got COVID coming back. I was gonna put it off until tomorrow, but since he since he brought it up gonna point out that the city of Philadelphia has reinstituted a mask policy because their cases are skyrocketing, which, you know, you could totally see coming. So don't spend your COVID money on guns. Uh, Trump alums cash in on Saudi ties. Two former top officials in the Trump White House have secured billions, 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 Billions with a B. Carl Sagan saying billions with a B. Two top former officials in the Trump White House have secured billions of dollars from the Saudi government in the form of investments in their new private equity funds. The New York Times reports Jared Kushner's firm Affinity Equity scored a $2 billion commitment from Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, while former Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, this motherfucker who was involved with fucking Enron, should have went to jail then, while former Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin's Liberty Strategic Capital secured $1 billion. These are massive investments to bestow upon first-time private equity funds. Uh, It could also cause complications if Trump, who is Kushner's father-in-law, were to again become president. Now, remember, we have heard ad nauseum about Hunter Biden's fucking laptop. So you would think the son-in-law of the former president inking a $2 billion billion dollar deal with the Saudis, might I add, the people who funded 9-11 would raise some red flags, wouldn't you think? EIF investment staff reportedly expressed concerns about Affinity's inexperience in private equity, an area in which Kushner has no personal background, although the firm subsequently added some veteran PE pros. Mnuchin made his name as an investor before entering public service, albeit not specifically in private equity. Avinity is seeking to raise upwards of $7 billion, but appears to be less than halfway to the target. Its goal is to focus on U.S. growth equity opportunities, and it has not yet announced any deals. Liberty raised a total of $2.5 billion 
for its debut fund and recently acquired a control stake in Dallas-based enterprise security firm Zimperium. It'd be a cool name for a wrestling stable. Zimperium! That, that, that should be the stable that Gunther is the leader of. Neither Kushner nor Mnuchin responded to a request for comment. What up, Chase? Uh, let's talk. Let's, let's go from the son-in-law to the son. Donald Trump Jr. detailed in text how to seize the White House after the 2020 vote. Donald Trump Jr. seemed unconcerned about the will of American voters as he urged then-Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to nail down operational control of the White House after President Donald Trump lost re-election. Jr. explained in a text to then-White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows how to seize operational control of the presidency for his father. Former President's eldest son had a little concern for how Americans voted, according to messages he sent Meadows that were reviewed by CNN. He pointed to Republican majorities in the Senate and in swing state legislatures that could be utilized to wrest control of the election from voters. It's very simple, he reportedly texted two days after the presidential election before the vote was officially called for Joe Biden. We have multiple paths. We control them all. He suggested a number of steps that Trump allies were already developing to change the results of the election in the event of Trump's loss. They included lawsuits to block the results and pressing state lawmakers to to demand recounts and to present a slate of fake electors who would support Trump against voters' wishes. Trump Jr. argued to Meadows that ultimately Republican lawmakers could simply vote to keep Trump in the White House. We have operational control, total leverage. Moral high ground, POTUS must start second term now. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, he's he's had all these grifters in his in his ear. He's had fucking Sidney Powell and oh what's his name? What was uh What was his fucking name? He 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 just disappeared into obscurity. He was that uh defamation attorney that actually won some cases. Uh, my pillow guy, uh, yeah, Lindell, but he's not a lawyer. I'm trying to think of the lawyer that did the defamation suit and the uh, Olympic bombing. That's where uh, Linwood, Linwood, which by the way, when Parlor first started, I, I was Linwood on Parlor for for the longest time, and then they they finally blocked me. I think uh, Rittenhouse ended up dumping him, but he was with Rittenhouse at the beginning. Even even Rittenhouse was able to see that he was a fraud. Trump Jr.'s lawyer, Alan S. Futerfass. Futerfass. I'm not making that up. That's what it is, right? Alan S. Futerfass. Don Jr.'s lawyer's name is Alan S. Futerfass. 
Uterfast said in a statement to CNN that his client was likely forwarding a message to Meadows that had been written by someone else, though he didn't say who. <laughs> I mean, I don't doubt that it's a real fucking name, but like, it's a, it's a funny name. I'm sorry to make fun of your name, Uterfast. After the election, Don received numerous messages from supporters and others, given the date... This message likely originated from someone else and was forwarded. Uh, Remember I showed you the story where a a judge threw out the charges against one of the Capitol riot defendants and the Daily Wire was like, this is a game changer. We're going to win all these cases. So the, the second person who's gone to trial over charges stemming from January January 6th has now been found guilty on all six counts. Apparently, he's a former cop as well. A police officer who stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th was found guilty on all six charges at his trial on Monday. Thomas Robertson, who was an officer in Rocky Mount, Virginia, when he entered the Capitol, he was an officer at the time that he entered the Capitol. Was arrested in January of 2021 and fired soon after by the city. The outcome was another win for the Justice Department, which is overseeing an unprecedented investigation into the hundreds of people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. Also, programming note, you will see... Part of the live stream during January 6th. During the Troll Patrol 422 year anniversary spectacular coming up a week from Wednesday. That is one of the many historic moments that we have covered here on the Troll Patrol that we're going to relive week from Wednesday. 4 o'clock Eastern Time on the 422 year Troll Patrol anniversary spectacular. Not just gonna be a clip show though, though it's it's gonna be a lot of clips. I'm gonna I'm gonna be here with you for 420 at, in each time zone. We're gonna start off with 420 Eastern Time. We're gonna go across the nation. It's gonna be fun as fuck. Week from Wednesday, four o'clock Eastern Time. Robinson was the second January 6th defendant to take his case to a jury after Guy reft it was convicted on all counts last month. I fucked his name up. Nacho, welcome. Thank you for being a freaking follower. Jacob Fracker, a fellow police officer whom Robertson called son, testified on behalf of the prosecution after he reached a plea deal with the government last month. Fracker, a Trump supporter, admitted he participated in a conspiracy to corruptly obstruct influence and impede the certification of President Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. My opinion on eating out, I love, like, there is nothing more than I love in this world than eating a juicy pussy. Or or a hot ass. I, 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 I eat some ass. Aaron, thank you for the resub. <laughs> uh eating out we ate out the other night we had we had barbecue the other night it was fantastic however cases are starting to go up i will be retreating back into my apartment and not going outside anymore 
Superhuman, welcome. Thank you for being a freaking follower. Superhuman 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. Welcome. You know what? I'm not high enough for this shit. You're a vegetarian, or I didn't know you were a vegetarian. Well, you know, Dip is a uh, a vegan. Dip gets on to me all the time. But when uh, when Sparkles and I had uh, Taco Bell on Friday, you know, we weren't eating real meat. Thank you for the bits, Nacho. Coming in here and rocking out with your cock out. I love it. You're here on Juicy Pussy. It depends on the day, man. I'll suck a little dick. I'll eat a little pussy. It depends on what day it is, which one I'm feeling more. Sometimes a dude hit me up on Grindr and be like, hey, you want to get together? Like, send me a dick pic. I'm like, you know what? A nice dick. Us. Who's sus around here? Us that I'm getting ready to pack a bowl? You don't want to join in? Somebody in the chat will hit the rip. calling sus or is it sus that rb is a vegetarian each their own i totally understand the oral arguments also i just really fucking like meat smoked turkey i had the other day fuck oh my god i orgasmed when i ate that Almost as good as a juicy pussy. You're you're going to you're going to get the Matt Walsh clip. That's another thing that we're gonna do on 420. Oh shit, that's the wrong one. Hold on. The 420 two year anniversary spectacular coming up a week from Wednesday. You're gonna get to see the Matt Walsh clip. Matt Walsh tried to make fun of me on uh, his show, on the Daily Wire. So much fun. So much fun that we're going to have on Wednesday. Yeah, Amnestic, you're going to get caught up on my my feud with Old Gord. You're going to find out who Poop Boy is. Oh my God, Poop Boy. This kid kept trying to troll me, so I took a I took a picture of him and like I I I had I had a friend like do the voice for him and I put a cartoon mouth on him and I interviewed him. Who the fuck is Poop Boy? You're gonna find out. A week from Wednesday, 420, 4 p.m. Eastern. The 420 and two-year anniversary spectacular Troll Patrol episode. You're going to get to see the best of the Troll Patrol. You're going to see January 6th. You're going to see election night. Landmark. Landmark. The night fucking... The night Trump got covid you're going to see the night I got drunk and called C-SPAN after the debate. 
so much fun shit. Producer producer Dave said he's going to drop by for 420 in the Pacific time zone. Don't you think I'm dashing? Well, 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 well. Keep talking to me like that. Let's talk about the plot against Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmore. Apparently, two of the guys were acquitted by a jury and then a hung jury was the fate of the other two. A jury's inability to reach a unanimous verdict for two men charged in a conspiracy to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer means the federal government can take them to trial again. We are reading from the Detroit News. The jury last week acquitted Daniel Harris and Brandon Carsetta, whom prosecutors described as soldiers in the foiled plot, but deadlocked on the alleged leaders Adam Fox and Barry Croft Jr., was an extraordinary setback for the government, which claimed the men wanted to trigger a civil war before the 2020 election. Yep, that's exactly what I would expect them to look like. Hung jury is unable to unanimously agree on someone's guilt or innocence. It could be just one person on the 12-member panel who disagrees with the others. Prosecutors can put someone on trial again or drop the case. U.S. Attorney Andrew Burge told reporters Friday that Fox and Croft are are awaiting trial and we'll get back to work on that. They remain in jail. This is in Michigan. This was a militia group. Uh, their plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer was exposed, what, in October, September, uh, right before the election in 2020. Mark Chuckow who until recently led the criminal division of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Detroit, said he would be surprised if prosecutors fold, citing the significance of the allegations. The government has two cooperating defendants who pled guilty, who said they were part of the crime. That's pretty compelling evidence, Chakao said, referring to Ty Gerben and Caleb Franks, who testified for prosecutors. Only the jury knows what happened, U.S. District Judge Robert Jonker Barred lawyers from contacting uh, uh, jurors for any post-trial intelligence, but jurors can reach out to them on their own. Chuck Al said it could uh, help prosecutors and defense attorneys as they prepare for a second trial. A litigant, sometimes you get in the fog of war, he said. You've spent so much time with your case, you're not objective as to what it looked like. Fox, who was living in the Grand Rapids area, and Croft from Bear, Delaware, didn't testify. Their defense came through the cross-examination of the government's witnesses. Fox and Croft might have been angry with Whitmer over COVID-19 restrictions, but there was no real plan to kidnap the Democratic governor, their lawyers insisted. They say undercover FBI agents and informants inside the group fueled wild talk. And that's been the thing with the right-wing, uh, the right-wingers. They're trying to say that the government was setting them up. Detroit area defense lawyer uh, Michael Rattage 
said the challenge for prosecutors in Grand Rapids will be picking a jury from western and northern Michigan. It's Trump country, and they don't like Whitmer. Prosecutors have an uphill battle, Rattage said. Prosecutors sharpened their focus after a federal jury couldn't agree on 23 of 24 charges at former Illinois Governor Rob Blagojevich's 2010 corruption trial. Jurors said just one person was a holdout. Yeah, we don't care about that. Fucking Blagojevich. I was doing news when that happened. I made fun of him. Content warning. Joining us now is the aforementioned. You're getting ready to hear from two women you might not like. Their names are Laura Ingram and Lauren Boebert. And Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Congresswoman, um, I want to get to your views on this map, uh, these map freaks on Twitter. Apparently, apparently, Boebert is tired of being called a conspiracy theorist. Twitter. But I first want to ask about that exchange with Secretary Becerra. Uh, He believes that this type of surgery for non-adults is protecting children? What? No, what? I'm sure they're taking whatever he said out of context. you stated on your show, this is uh, not only repulsive, but it's child abuse. Secretary Becerra, he is a lawyer. I would assume that Becerra was actually talking about gender-affirming care, and Laura Ingram is inferring that he is pro-genital mutilation. That, that's the only conclusion I can come to, especially when they're not actually playing a clip of Becerra actually saying anything. They're just putting words into his mouth. Is protecting right. children? Really? Laura, this is absolutely disgusting, and as you've stated on your show... Weed! Uh, not only repulsive, but it's child abuse. Secretary Becerra, he is a lawyer, he's a politician, he's a bureaucrat, and he, even he is making these professions look bad. It is a sad day in America when the Secretary of Health and Human Services is using his position of influence to promote gruesome gender reassignment surgeries on children. Now, we know that his... I, that can't possibly be true. I have the only thing I can find is there was a statement a few days ago on Trans Day of Visibility. Day hours after making history by raising uh, the transgender pride flag outside of the Department of Health and Human Services. Headquarters building, HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra, alongside Assistant Secretary for Health Admiral Rachel Levin and Assistant Secretary for Global Affairs Lois Pace, released the following statements to celebrate International Transgender Day of uh, Visibility. Discrimination against transgender people and their loved ones has no place in this country. Here at HHS, we will continue to do everything in our power to protect the health care of transgender people, including access to gender-affirming care. On this International Transgender Day of Visibility, I say to our transgender communities, we see you, we stand with you, and we will be there with you. The future for our community is brighter than in past generations, but even now, progress is not uh, real uh, unless it means progress for all, said Admiral Levine. Uh, Levine. 
Uh, together, we must strongly advocate for the most undeserved and marginalized in our community, including our trans youth and their families. So absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing like what they are saying. So she's tired of being called a conspiracy theorist, even though she's going to get up here and promote a wild conspiracy. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? His record is not very good. Um, it's it's actually pretty pathetic. On um, your record is pathetic, ma'am. Right. So when he came into our committee, I asked him about those things. I asked him if our tax dollars were going to these um, these surgical gender reassignments on children. These gruesome gender reassignments. He had no answer. I asked him if parents who don't uh, agree with this gender-affirming care and don't want to mutilate their children if they are at risk, if they are at d- in danger. They are not. Their children removed from their at home. Risk or at he danger. didn't have an answer for that either. I even asked him if men can get pregnant. Simple as that. And he danced around that question, Laura. So I had many questions for him that I asked him on that day. And, and we're seeing that they are doing anything in their power to protect these people who want to sexualize and groom our children. And now to hear on your show tonight um, that we have these minor attracted persons. What is this world coming to? You know, five years ago, if you would have said that this is where all of this is leading, we would have been called crazy. And here we are. Uh, you have somebody saying that pedophilia, uh, that that's too degrading to call it. So we're going to call it MAPS. What in the world is happening in America? We well, have makes it sound to better. start talking about this and and get it right. Um, you know, and, and, and really, it's, it's not something comfortable to talk about. It's not comfortable conversations no. to have because we shouldn't be talking about these things. Laura, uh, you know, this isn't pleasant, but we need to know if our tax dollars are going to remove the breasts of young girls, if our tax dollars are going to remove the genitalia of young boys. These are children. You are making it up. Regime is get out of our lives, get out of our homes. These are our these are our children. Well, they call this conspiracy. You know what they're saying in response, Congresswoman? They're saying you. I'm saying you all are fucking morons. Right-wingers are absolute fucking morons. Dumbest fucks walking the planet. You're just making shit up. You're further than a conspiracy theorist. I don't think Laura Ingram is dumb. I think she is a sociopath. And others, probably myself, that we're spouting conspiracy theories. Because we're actually... spouting nonsense. These people, whether it's on Twitter or whether we're talking about the inability to define a mother and they're called birthing persons now so as not to offend a radical fringe, those are facts. They don't want to actually speak in terms of facts. They want to just throw out pejoratives like conspiracy theory, like the Hunter Biden laptop was a conspiracy theory. I'm going to get to that next segment. That's exactly right, Laura. Anytime they don't like the facts that are coming out, they call it a conspiracy. Uh, We have been putting out information all along. We're called names. We're called conspiracy theorists. We're called racists. We're called bigots just for not going along with it. Have you tried not being a racist bigot spouting conspiracy theories? They aren't uh, falling in line with their agenda. And, you know, I I totally believe that Secretary Becerra needs to be removed from his position. Uh, I am willing to call on him to be removed um, for for what he is doing to promote... uh, 
um, this mutilation of children in America. Uh, this is absolutely disgusting what's coming out of his department. And and not only that, but look at what's going on at our southern border and removing Title wow. uh, Title 42 right before these summer months when they know that there's going to be an... Tones, welcome. Part of the plan. Uh, just by yeah. November. It truly is to completely yeah, we gotta go, Congresswoman, um, but our country. Yeah, this is... Yeah, cut her off. Being turned upside down. You know, yeah, the country is being turned upside down because stupid shit like this is happening. You want to talk about what's happening at our southern border? Shit like this that everyone should be ashamed of that this happened in our country. A Texas judge had to dismiss murder charges in a quote-unquote self-induced abortion. Apparently, it was just a stillbirth. And this is because of the moral outrage by idiot-ass Republicans trying to outlaw abortion. This, this isn't a conspiracy theory. Texas judge dismissed a murder charge on Monday against a woman who was arrested in the death of an individual by self-induced abortion, according to court documents. The court ruling came after the local district attorney filed a motion earlier Monday to dismiss the murder charge, citing insufficient evidence. The Star County Sheriff's Office arrested Lizelle Herrera, 26, on Thursday, outraging abortion rights advocates. In reviewing applicable Texas law, it is clear that Ms. Herrera cannot and should not be prosecuted for the allegation against her, County District Attorney Gocha Allen Ramirez wrote in a news release on Sunday. Well, duh, you stupid fucks. And this is the, this is the whole... This is exactly the people that we knew you were going to fucking target. Just like the the laws against trans women always end up hurting cis women. The Sunday statement, Ramirez said the Star County Sheriff's Office did their duty in investigating the incident, which was brought to the attention of authorities by a hospital in the area. Although with this dismissal, Ms. Herrera will not face prosecution for this incident, it is clear to me that the events leading up to the indictment have taken a toll on Ms. Herrera and her family. I fucking bet! The issue surrounding... She was already going through a traumatic experience, and you fucks charged her with murder! The issues surrounding this matter are clearly contentious. However, based on Texas law and the facts presented, it is not a criminal matter. Texas Senate Bill 8 was enacted in September, banning banning abortions after six weeks of pregnancy in a state that has the most restrictive abortion laws in the country. The law does not target pregnant people themselves for prosecution and instead is enforceable by private parties who may sue abortion providers who aid and abet women seeking abortions. Herrera was held in the Star County Jail in Rio Grande City on $500,000 bail until she was released after posting bond and secured legal counsel on Saturday evening, according to the La Frontera Fund, which is raising money on behalf of Herrera. A group of activists demonstrated Saturday outside the jail where she was held. Herrera's case draws attention to the role class plays in Texas's abortion restrictions, according to Domingo Garcia, the national president of the League of United Latin American Citizens. I mean, we speculated on the freak show on Friday night that Grimes and Elon Musk's new kid was 
created in some kind of uh, uh, artificial womb somewhere. Content warning, you're getting ready to see something that's going to piss you off. Apparently this was on the Mark Levin show on Fox News. To take back control. Life, Liberty, and Levin. Uh, apparently this asshole had a real hot take about teachers. If there's no community control of the schools, uh, what we have is um, kids being not only indoctrinated, but, but groomed in, in, in a very real sense by people who are whether they know it or not, sexual predators. Are they abusing the kids uh, physically? N- no, I don't. Oh, now Mama, Mama Monster, uh, she has uh, health issues. So if she was in hiding for nine months, that could have had something to do with her health issues. Saying. And yes, I'm a, I'm a huge Lady Gaga fan. So. Yeah, what you say over here? Take up for Mama now. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's this asshole getting ready to say? I don't think so, but they're abusing them mentally and use and using um sex to do so. This Wait, is what? a problem with education. Doomed in, in, in a very real sense by people who are, whether they know it or not, sexual predators. Are they abusing the kids uh, physically? Wait, whether they know it or not, they're sexual predators. Who, you asshole? Just teachers? Just teachers in general? We have to take back control. If there's no community control of the schools, uh, what we have is um, kids being not only indoctrinated, but but groomed in, in, in a very real sense by people who are, whether they know it or not, sexual predators. Are they abusing the kids uh, physically? No, I don't think so. But they're abusing them mentally and, use, and using um, sex to do so. This has always been the problem with education, is that teachers are uh, inclined, particularly men because men are predators, to uh, pedophilia. And that's why there were strict um, community strictures about it. Uh, thank God. So this started to break down when the schools said, you know what, we have to teach the kids about sex. Why? Because what if they don't do it at home? The- what the fuck is he talking about? I I know, I say that a lot on this show. <laughs> Holy shit. I don't think so, but they're abusing them mentally and, use, and using um, sex to do so. This has always been the problem with education, is that teachers are uh, inclined, particularly men because men are predators, to uh, pedophilia. And that's why there were strict um, community strictures about it. I'm sure, I'm sure this motherfucker is religious. David Mamet. David Mamet. He's religious, right? He's religious. He's an American playwright, filmmaker, and author. Wait, wait, wait. No way. He he received Tony nominations for his plays Glengarry Glenn Ross. And speed the plow. Really? Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy we were just listening to. Give me the, give me the Wikipedia on this dude. 
He wrote a play called The Duck Variation, Sexual Perversity in Chicago. I mean, clear, clearly this guy is working through some shit. Became a contributing blogger to the Huffington Post in 2005, drawing satirical cartoons. A 2008 essay at the Village Voice titled Why I Am No Longer a Brain Dead Liberal, he discussed how his political views had shifted from liberalism to conservatism. In interviews, Mamet has highlighted his agreement with free market theorists such as Frederick Hayek, the historian Paul Johnson, and Thomas Sowell. In 2022, Mamet declined to explicitly label himself a Republican, but described himself as a conservative who would like to conserve those things I grew up with, the love of family, the love of country, love of service, love of God, and love of community. During promotion of a book, Mamet said British people had a taint of anti-Semitism. Well, I mean, come on. Claiming they want to give Israel away to some people whose claims is rather dubious. What? Oh, yeah, he, he, he does seem to be religious. He found the grift during uh, the George W. years, though. Hill into the George. Elon Musk's Twitter board reversal, just the latest lack of follow through. Elon Musk says something. Don't assume he'll follow through, at least not right away. Reading from Axios here. As the richest person in the world and CEO of a company valued at over $1 trillion, Musk's words carry weight. They move markets and set expectations, but he seems to think out loud, typically on Twitter, unlike the usual buttoned-up calculated approach taken by most CEOs. I mean, he stayed tight-lipped about Twitter and made a hundred and what fifty-six million dollars, wasn't it? I might be off on the number. He knows when to shut up when it can make him money. So I, I think he intends to uh, sink stocks whenever he speaks on Twitter, or or bump them up if he's praising them. Tesla and SpaceX CEO on Sunday backed out of a deal to join Twitter's board after buying 9.2% of the company, thus preserving his ability to acquire a controlling stake, push for changes, or both. If Musk loses people's trust, it could undercut his reputation as a Midas of sorts. What? What Midas? What reputation? That's a reputation he bought for himself because like, he doesn't have a track record of fucking anything. On Tuesday, he was joining Twitter's board, and now he's not. This is what he's got a track record of, being a little kitty, eating up taxpayer money. That's what Elon Musk does. He infamously said in 2018 that he had funding secured to take Tesla private, but he had not. 
The company remained publicly traded. He's repeatedly promised that Tesla's full surf, uh, full self-driving feature was about to roll out, but its cars remain only partially automated, and they suck at that. I mean, Axios is leaving out a lot of shit here. His submarine that he sent to rescue the kids in the cave that didn't work, that everybody there laughed at, and then he called the dude a pedo. His fucking boring company that ended up just being a one-lane tunnel that still gets traffic jams, even though it's just a one-lane fucking tunnel, because who couldn't think of that? His bulletproof fucking car that he threw a fucking rock at or a brick or something and it broke the window. He is an embarrassment. What the fuck has SpaceX done that fucking NASA couldn't do if we properly funded it? Somebody tell me. He's building a say anything, do something different brand identity. A brand identity is what he is building. A brand identity is what he has bought. Georgetown University business professor uh, Peter Jotorik, an ethics expert, tells Axios in the long run that's almost always bad for the leader. Musk's cult-like appeal is predicated in part on the fact that he isn't hewing uh, to anything resembling a company line, and thus he comes across as authentic to his fans, to idiots. Who else would apparently smoke marijuana on Joe Rogan's podcast? Fuck, if that's the if that's the um, bar we're setting for genius, have me on, Joe. I'll smoke some marijuana with you. Musk defenders admit that he's often late in delivering the products he's promised, but they say he comes through in the end. That's not fucking true. Something like 70% of all the Teslas that have ever been put out in the road have been recalled. Authenticity is worth a lot in the social media age, but Musk is venturing into boy who cried wolf territory. Lobadong schlong. Lobadong schlong. Welcome. You mind if I just call you schlong? Thank you for being a freaking follower. We are dunking on Elon Musk at the moment. This was the meme of the day earlier today. It's not like I didn't come with receipts to back it up. Another piece of propaganda on Elon's part, SpaceX was paid by the U.S. government to send some Starlink terminals to Ukraine despite claiming it wasn't. U.S. federal government purchased more than 1,330 terminals from SpaceX to send to Ukraine at the cost of $3 million. U.S. government is paying SpaceX to send some Starlink internet terminals to Ukraine despite the company saying that it did not think the government had paid any money to it. Elon Musk had sent terminals to Ukraine in order to help keep the country online as it resisted the invasion attempt by Russia. Starlink service is now active in Ukraine. More terminals en route, Mr. Musk tweeted on the 26th of February. At the time, he, uh, this appeared to be a charitable act. 
I'm proud that we were able to provide the terminals to folks in Ukraine, SpaceX President Gwen Shotwell said last month. I don't think the U.S. has given us any money to give terminals to the Ukraine. Now, the Washington Post reports that the U.S. federal government purchased more than 1,300 terminals from SpaceX to send to Ukraine. Apparently, SpaceX did indeed donate 3,670 terminals. Terminals would come with three months of unlimited data. The agency initially said it was a private sector donation valued at roughly $10 million. That figure has reportedly been removed from the release and now states that the U.S. government has delivered 5,000 Starlink terminals to Ukraine through a public-private partnership with SpaceX. I mean, apparently Teslas are pretty nice cars. I've never ridden in one, but like people that have them do rave about them. So I'm not sure. I can't give you any uh, personal experience with it. I hope your son enjoys his Tesla. I'm I'm sure they make good cars in spite of their shitty uh, president, who is not the founder of the company. I'd, I'd never miss an opportunity to say that. He bought the rights to call himself that and force the founders out. The government agreed to purchase closer to 1,500 standard Starlink terminals for $1,500 apiece and pay 800000 for transportation costs. This cost the U.S. taxpayer over $3 million. Commercial Starlink terminals are priced at $600 per terminal plus $110 per month for the Internet service. I don't know if I can do this. This this is the last thing I've got on the on the notes for tonight. You guys decide. Do you want to watch this video titled Do you want to watch this video titled The Whiteness of Wokeness? You do. You fucking you do. You fucking do. The Whiteness of Wokeness. Well, let's fucking get to it. Yes, Curiouser says. The whiteness of wokeness. This is a PragerU video. You're going to hear from Wilfred Riley, the professor of political science at Kentucky State University. He has some cool facial hair. He kind of looks like the lead singer of Disturbed. Those of you listening to the audience or the audio only, of course you do. Of course you do. I love you guys. I love you guys so much. Don't forget. Don't forget. A week from Wednesday, the 422 year anniversary spectacular. Four o'clock Eastern time on April 20th. All right, the whiteness of wokeness. This is a political science professor at Kentucky State University. How do you explain this? Most people agitating for radical social change on behalf of people of color are not themselves people of color. They're overwhelmingly woke white leftists. The majority of people in this country 
are white. And also, like, I would like to see your data on, because, like, it's just an observation of yours, right? You're like, it's your assertion that most people advocating for social change are white. You're not actually presenting us with any uh, data that backs that up. They use the genuine plight of poor minorities as a wedge, a lever by which to change the basic character of American society, a change that most people of color do not want. Both anecdotal evidence and hard data bear this out. A good example is the woke... Well, let's have some evidence then. ...left's obsession with politically correct speech. Ostensibly, this is all in the service of protecting the tender feelings of long-suffering minorities. However, according to the best publicly available data, most minority groups dislike PC... What in the fuck are you calling PC culture? What are you like? I mean, there's a lot of loaded terms in this. And that's what, like, you can't argue with such fallacious reasoning. And this motherfucker is a professor of political science. He should know better. Culture more than whites do. 88% of Native Americans, 87% of Hispanics, 82% of Asian Americans, and 70 It says it's a poll from Business Insider. Call political correctness a problem. According to multiple studies, only young, white, well, here's the, here's the thing is I need a precising definition of what political correctness actually is. College-educated liberal and leftist women strongly support speech restrictions. A Pew poll about the use of the term Latinx, an attempt to remove gender from Latino and Latina. Oh, I thought it was Latinx, and I thought it sounded really cool. A quarter of all Hispanics and 38% of Hispanic college graduates have even heard of the term. What's more, only 3% ever opt to use it. Many find it ridiculous. If anything, the pattern here is one of white leftists telling Hispanics to speak in a more... Or maybe is that they don't actually want to be acknowledged by a fucking group. And to them, it's just being normal. But it's only a distinction that you have to make in a society where white is the default woke fashion and hispanics refusing to comply this turns out to be the rule not the exception defunding the police a left-wing cause celeb for much of 2020 and 2021 is another case in point a study conducted by gallup found that 81 percent of black americans want the police presence in their neighborhoods to either remain the same or increase only 19 percent of blacks favored any decrease whatsoever in police presence little wonder as empiric God, I had it I had it on the list for stories tonight, but I was gonna put it off until tomorrow night. Uh like there's a city in Colorado. I I'm gonna fuck it up because I don't have the story here in front of me. That they actually reallocated the funds and I had two thousand and something calls where they sent social services instead of the police never once not once not once not once did they have to call police to uh de-escalate a dangerous situation but the social services were actually what was needed in that situation 
politically minded scholars have long pointed out, anti-police and soft on crime policies tend to dramatically increase crime rates in urban minority neighborhoods. In 2021, 12 major cities broke previous homicide records. Meanwhile, the number of arrests nationwide plummeted 24% in 2020 to the lowest in 25 years, according to FBI data. Then there's education policy. On charter schools labeled racist by many liberals and leftists, data show another significant split. Blacks and Hispanics, especially parents, favoring school choice, white liberals and leftists opposed. According to recent data from Democrats for Education Reform, 58% of black Democrats and 52% of Hispanic Democrats have a positive opinion of charter schools. In contrast, just 26% of white Democrats favor charters. Economist Thomas Sowell has observed that in the major American charter networks, among those this motherfucker. of color make up 90% or more, kids perform almost exactly on par with the majority white student population of the nation's public schools. Some Might have something to do with money. In a misguided effort to increase diversity, white leftists have lobbied to lower educational standards for blacks and Hispanics. Yet evidence suggests that maintaining traditional standards is a much more effective approach. The average combined SAT score for the sizable and mostly black senior class at the Success Academy charter school system in 2019 was 1268. 10% of the class scored higher than 1400. Like most charters today, Success Academy is a pure lottery school that does not get to pick and choose students. Given that fact and the school's results, we're talking about New York City. It is no surprise that minority parents, unlike white Democrats, strongly support charter schools. The simple truth is that black... Actually, I think it, I think it didn't actually come down to money, though money was a factor. What it was was the... Um Willingness of parents to participate and be active in their on their uh, child's lives, and when it came down to it, the people with money were the ones that were able to participate in their child's lives more because they had money. Hispanic citizens do not show much enthusiasm for cancel culture, for pulling good and mostly minority cops out of their neighborhoods or for depriving their kids of a sound education in service to woke, white notions of equity. Sounds like, you, sounds like you asked some fucking loaded questions. People who suffer from these radical policies are people of color. And most people of color know it. The obvious question that usually arises when someone makes these points is, Are you full of shit? Why do 90% or so of black Americans vote for the party that supports all these destructive policies? The answer is as simple as the query. Blacks are constantly told that the only serious alternative to the left is a racist party that wants to put them back in chains, to quote Joe Biden when he was... What? What? <laughs> first of all, first of all, the Democratic Party is not the left. Holy shit. The left is an alternative to the Democratic Party, to be completely honest with you. I think it would be more equitable to, to everybody. Vice President, this pitch has been very successful. In short, it works. If it ever stops working, as I'm hardly the first to note, U.S. politics would change overnight. While we wait and see if this will ever happen, 
One practical piece of advice remains. <sighs> if you want to know what individual members of any particular group happen to think, ask them. Not those who claim to speak and act in their best interest. I'm Wilfred Riley. Yes, yes, yes. Let's ask them. Let's ask a Republican. Ask a Republican exactly what he thinks about the racism issue. This was Ronald Reagan's campaign strategist in 1981 talking about the Republican strategy to appeal to racists. Campaign consultant to Ronald Reagan, Lee Atwater, talking about the Republican push to appeal to racist voters. Anytime anyone says that the party switch didn't occur, it the party the party the party switch didn't occur. It was a political realignment, and it happened slowly over of like a 50, 60, 70 year period. This is Lee Atwater describing exactly how Ronald Reagan harnessed Southern racists in order to win. How I would approach that issue as a as a, as a statistician or a political scientist, or no, as a psychologist, which I'm not, is is how abstract. You handle the race thing. In other words, you start out in, and now y'all aren't quoting me. You start out in 1954 by saying nigger, nigger, nigger. By 1968, you can't say nigger. That hurts your backfire. So you say stuff like uh, force busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. And you're getting so abstract now. You're talking about cutting taxes and all of these things. You're talking about are totally economic things, and the byproduct of them is. Blacks get hurt worse than whites. And subconsciously, maybe that is part of it. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, uh, that, that, we, that we're doing away with the racial problem one way or the other. Uh, you follow me? Because obviously sitting around saying uh, we want to cut taxes, we want to cut this, and we want is much more abstract than, than even the busing thing. Uh, and a hell of a lot more abstract than never knew, you know. So any way you look at it, race is coming on the back burner. There you go. Describing how the policy of states' rights and tax cuts is racist without actually coming out and being overtly racist. Thank you, Lee Atwater. I'm sorry, I was going I was going for the 420 two year anniversary spectacular ad week from Wednesday I'm sorry I'm going to have to talk about it a lot here's a puppy trying to get a ball out of a uh, out of a pool he's heckin' concerned with that ball and he's, he's not having a good time I'd jump in there and get it for you, buddy. I really would. His little brother's just over there watching him.
Yeah, bark at it. Bark at it, buddy. Oh, he's got two little brothers over there. Oh, I, why doesn't he just hop in there? Why can't you jump in the water? Why can't you jump in the water, little dude? You got it. You can get it. You can doggy paddle. Yeah, maybe he's got trauma. He's adorable. I have not raided Riverboat Jack in a while, and I believe it is her four-year anniversary on HRT, and she's having a big celebration. I think you guys should all go over and say hey to Riverboat Jack and tell her she looks lovely. If you are watching on Twitch, you're going to go over to Jack's channel. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I am Justin Freegan. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol. Live.